Matthew 28, let's hear the word of the Lord in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 28, 1 through 6. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where, they, where he lay. This is God's word. am I on now? All right. I will try to be brief here this morning. Those who know my preaching know that that is a task that is no small task sometimes, but I've been getting better, so there's hope for this morning, all right? We are just at 11 o'clock, so we got a little bit of time here. I want to just key in on one phrase this morning and talk to you for just a few minutes about that particular phrase, and it's taken from this passage that they've just read to you, um, and it's, uh, I think, a, a really big piece of the story, and uh, I wonder how many of you could honestly say this morning that at some point, at some time in your life, you've battled fear. There's been some place in your life that there's some circumstance, and you, you could probably detail it and, and articulate it really, really well if you sat down with any one of us. But there's a place where you weren't sure of the outcomes. Uh, you got sort of T-boned by the circumstances. Uh, something just started to happen, and it, it started to snowball in some sense, and it got beyond your ability to control or to handle. Or there was just events that occurred outside of you but affected you, and you couldn't understand them. Or maybe there were places in life where you had a certain idea a certain understanding, a certain perception. And as things unfolded, it was really different. It was different than what you thought it was going to be. It landed in your life differently than what you anticipated. And I think we see that with these women who went to the grave. There definitely was some fear. The fear was very different, I think, for these women than it were for those guards who had fallen in the earthquake. I'm sure that they were very afraid too, but for much different reasoning. After all, they were trying to keep down what God was trying to release. They were trying to hold back the perfect plan of God by, by covering that grave and holding this, this body of the Christ there in place. And yet they could not stop the power of the resurrection and so we have these women who are in some way afraid. They don't understand. They're looking, and, and it's different for them. Jesus, you see, predicted that he would rise from the dead. But I don't think the disciples really understood it fully. And consequently, they didn't really expect it. When these women came to the tomb, they were not coming with the anticipation, wait, I can't wait till we see the empty grave. They came with, with sorrow. They came with love. They, they came with desire to minister to the body of a dead man, a man they had put such 
trust and such hope and such loyalty and such love into. And they believed His words. And they heard the words. They heard Him say some things. But it wasn't clear. It didn't, it didn't always make sense, especially this piece about resurrection. You see, in, in Matthew 16, verse 21, it says that Jesus Himself foretells His death. And, and he says, it says, from the time that Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem, He said He must suffer many things from the elders and from the chief priests and from the scribes, and He must be killed and on the third day be raised. He was speaking these kinds of words to his followers. Sometimes it was just the disciples pulled to the side, but at other times it was in a a larger group. In Matthew 20, it says that when Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. These are Jesus' words. This is his message that he is speaking. And these women come to this grave and they realize that his body is not there. And so there is confusion, there is uncertainty, there is doubt, there is fear. All of these things are happening, all right? But he is risen, the angel says. And this is the important piece that I want to focus in on here this morning for just a few minutes with you. The angel speaks to these women, and as he does, he says to them, don't be afraid, fear not, don't be afraid as the guards are, okay? I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And then here's the key part. He is not here, for he is risen. And get this, as he said. This is the message for you and I in the moment of fear, in the moment of uncertainty, in that place in our lives where circumstances and situations move us into a grave setting a place where we feel as though death is around us, a place where we feel paralyzed or incapacitated, where we can't function or we can't think clearly or we can't move or we can't respond appropriately. In those kinds of places where we are locked in, this is the hope we have. My friend, you can trust in Jesus because whatever Jesus said would be, it was and it is. And so we live not out of doubt. We live not out of a place of fear. We don't live in places of uncertainty and confusion and perplexity. We live in the truth and the reality that this Jesus who died and rose again from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of the Father is ever interceding for you and I because He's alive and He lives in such a way as to fulfill His promises in the now, not just in the past. And He will fulfill them in the future so you can believe because everything Jesus said he would do he did and everything Jesus said would come to pass came to pass you can take it as Pastor Dave says to the bank all right good Dutch expression isn't it just take it to the bank all right it's money all right you can count on it you can depend on him he does not he is not a man that he should lie 
He does not live in that place of, of deception or, or, or illusion. Whatever he said, it came to be. And you and I can hold on to that. So when this angel says, he is risen, that statement is pregnant with possibilities. That statement is rich and full with the future that you and I have and that we hold on to. You and I live in a resurrection. We live in a future all right? We live in a place where we can take hold of the promises of God because He is not here. And so we don't have to be afraid of the fact that He's not here. He, yes, He was in a grave where He was laid. And these women saw Him laid there. All right? He was dead, but He's now alive. He was laid in the grave, but God would not leave his son there, nor would he suffer him to, to experience corruption in that place. He redeemed it through the power of the resurrection and brought his son forth. He is risen, as he said. Not stolen away, as the chief priest and had hired the soldiers to, to claim or, or to, to pronounce, all right? Not removed to another place as Mary Magdalene first thought when she found him gone, but he's risen from the dead by the power of the resurrection, the power of his Father. He is risen. He is alive. He is not there because he is with the Father. And you and I can live in that reality, in that truth. So with that, what is the Lord saying to you and I today? What, what, is, what is this peace for us? What, what, how do we grab a hold of this? How do we hold on to this, if you will? You and I have the ability, not, not only the ability, the, the, the privilege, the right, to stand and declare in any moment, in, in any place, in any circumstance of our life, you and I can stand. And whether we're alone in that standing or we're in the body of believers or we're among the heathen, we stand on this. It is well with my soul. It is well with my My soul is anchored. My soul is not captured and put in a grave. My soul is not put in some niche like bodies were in those, those stone graves. All right? My soul is free. My soul is alive because of the Christ that is in me, the Christ that is in you. And so we stand in that place of declaration. We stand in that place of confession, not because of our own abilities or our own strengths or our own will even, but because everything Jesus said came to pass. We can take it to the bank. And so that's where you and I land, all right? We, we may, I mean, there are times in life when you, you, you have to fight to believe what you know to be true. Is that not true? <laughs> you know, sometimes it's a battle. You've got to fight what you know. You've got to fight what the Lord has spoken to you. You've got you to declare things, and then you have to fight to, to have faith for that declaration. You have to believe in those places where doubt is caving in on your life and circumstances are telling you one thing and it is against the reality of what you know from the truth of scriptures. And you and I can get bogged down in, in our, our disappointments and our trials of this life and we can slip into literal seasons where we are, are doubting or we are questioning the very hope that we have in God. 
But I'm telling you, in those places, you can stand. And when you've done everything to stand, you stand in that place because it is well with your soul. It is well with your soul, not by what you have done, but by what has been done for you. And that is that you have been set free through the power and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thomas Brooks, a writer, said there are, there are three things that are called precious in the Scripture. The blood of Christ is called precious blood in 1 Peter 1. Faith is called precious faith in 2 Peter 1. And the promises are called precious promises in 2 Peter 1. And he says this, he says, or he poses this question then, he says, are the promises of Jesus precious to you today? In other words, do they hold value to you? Do you live in that reality of the promises of God? And, and do they affect your thinking process? Do they affect your decision-making? Do they affect your, your relationships with one another, with others, and with the Lord? Are they, are they that precious that you desire them, you long for them, you, you want to bring them into your life and into your experience? I think there are some of those promises that you and I need to grab a hold of and stand on even when we're not in difficult places. But certainly, when the enemy comes in like a roaring lion, when, when the flood of this life comes against us, and if you're like me, and I don't think you're that much different than me, I, I, I could give you a list this morning. I could give you some challenges this morning. I could give you some fears this morning. I could give you some doubts this morning. I could give you some, some just heaviness that I carry around with me. And I remember when I was a, a young boy, there was a, there was a comic strip, and, and the, the, the guy in the comic strip, his name was Fodstick, and he had like a cloud. It was like a thunderstorm cloud, but it followed him everywhere he went. It didn't matter where he went or what happened, there was this cloud. It was just, that was the way he was. He had this, this heaviness. It's like the storm is just right there. It's like on him, all right? And, and of course, there was humor in that situation. Friend... When you're in the storm, there is, you find no humor. Humor doesn't help you in the storm. Humor doesn't make you feel better when you're in depression. Humor doesn't make you feel better when, when your son or your sibling or your, or your daughter or your, even your friend is out there bound by some kind of addictive behavior. You're not happy, my friend, and you're not laughing when you're addicted to porn. You're not happy when you're feeling alone or disenfranchised or, or some aspect of your life is fragmented. But in that moment, there is joy. There is joy in the reality that it can be well with your soul and that there is a way out. There is a resurrection for every grave moment in our lives. And just as Jesus literally was resurrected from the dead and out of a grave three days later, God has the ability and the power to help you to rise above a circumstance or a situation. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus says these words, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is a promise of Jesus. You can count on it. You can see God. 
He will be revealed to you. That is a promise of Jesus. Matthew 6, verses 3 and 4 says, When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing and all of that. So you give, and it may be in secret, and when your father who sees in secret, what will he do? He'll reward you. He says the same thing about prayer. Jesus says when you pray, and you pray in secret, the father who sees in secret, he will reward you. In other words, actions and prayers in your life will be rewarded. Now, there are, in a sense, some sort of like little caveats with some of these in that there are things that you must do for these promises to occur, all right? That is necessary. But also in John chapter 8, and I love this one, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my true disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Some of you this morning, you just need to be set free. Jesus says you can be when you abide in him. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He'll go in, he'll go out, he'll find pasture. The thief will only come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, I say to you, I came that you may have life and you may have it abundantly. That is the gospel, my friend that you can have this rich life, that you can be born again, that you can be renewed in Christ Jesus. You see, you were separated. You were outside of the kingdom. You were outside of the Father's acceptance because of sin. Not, not anything but sin. Sin separated us from God. But then, at the appointed time, God the Father, who loved his children, sent his son to die for them. And in dying, he did for you and I what we cannot do for ourselves. And so now we are able to receive this love, this acceptance, this forgiveness, and this adoption, whereby now we can say, Abba, Father, Daddy. And we can be called children properly because we are sons and daughters of God. And so Jesus, by dying on that cross and by going into that grave and by there allowing the Father, or the Father allowing him, whatever, how you want to see that, uh, but the Spirit moving on them, he was resurrected. He was brought back to life. Life came back into Jesus. There you and I identify. And maybe that's a new place for you. Maybe that's new understanding for you today. And maybe there are doubts in your... Maybe you're just one of those... Maybe you're, you're a Thomas. Maybe you just naturally are a bit cynical. I'm telling you today, you can count on what Jesus says. And Jesus is saying that he has come to give you life, not only life, but life abundantly. He says you can do greater works even than he has done. These are all things that Jesus has said. We're going to close, and I'm going to just give you one last one, and I want to I just hang on this one as, as we're closing today. Revelation 22, beginning in verse 12. He says, Behold, I am coming. He came. He died. He ascended to the Father. Out of his love, he intercedes for you and I constantly. 
But he said, I'm coming again. And when I do, I'll make all things right. I'll make all things right. I don't know what's been tilted. I don't know what's been bent. I don't know what's been made crooked in your life, but he will make all things right. He came, he still comes, and he is coming again. And when he does, that will be the final promise fulfilled. Everything Jesus said he would do, he will have done. He's coming again. If you don't know this Jesus this way, we would love to introduce him to you today. We would love to pray with you. We would love to pray about those things that you feel maybe separate you from him. We would love to pray about those things that are making you feel as though you are surrounded by death or you're paralyzed in this life in some way. We believe that Jesus is that answer and that he has given life and life abundantly. And we hold to that and we're excited about that today. And we're excited about what God can do in your life. So if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. So we're going to ask the team to come up and stand at the front. You can pray with any of them today, all right? They would love to pray with you and share the Lord with you, uh, encourage you, build you up. You can trust them in their prayers with you today, all right? But above all, you can trust Jesus. Everything he said he would do, he has done. Amen? Amen. Let me pray with you, and then you'll be dismissed today. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. By faith, we pray today out of that authority that you have given to him on heaven, in heaven and on earth. And we declare that the promises of the Lord are sure and true. And we declare that you, Father, and your son, Jesus, are faithful. You are not men that you would lie. And so we come to you today, and I bring this congregation of people to you today, and I ask you, Father, that by the Holy Spirit's power, you would do amazing, miraculous things in the lives of your people today. I pray that people today would be set free and liberated, that people today would be freed up from things that, has, that have held them back. I pray that today your word would come alive in their hearts and in their minds, and that there would be great transformations in our lives. I pray that today the good news of the gospel of Christ would set deep in our very soul, and I pray that as we are leaving here today, we can confidently say in our own heart, in our own minds, it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.